Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation. It could be business, it could be personal, that requires you to create change. You know, we all want to be heard, seen, understood. That's just what we want as humans. And people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us aren't just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. Okay. All right. So I'm so excited to have our first guest on the podcast. She is a woman originally from Glen Carbon, Illinois. She's a talent strategy recruiter who helps facilitate unlikely connections so that leaders can get their time back. She wants to know all of you, but she specifically loves to know sales and marketing leaders who need help growing their teams. And she believes in the hashtag people over everything. She also happens to work at a company called Something New. That's a unique national recruiting company specializing in sales and marketing, but I'll let her tell you all about that. Without further ado, welcome Tabitha Cavanaugh to the podcast. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I adore you. That was probably the best podcast intro ever and your energy is great. So thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get into how we met and all, but I was so excited to get your note on LinkedIn. I put out a post today just asking people to connect and, you know, say who they are, what they do, where they're from. And you put down Glen Carbon, Illinois. (laughs) So that's a first, I've never heard of that (laughs) before. So my first question is, what do people do for fun in Glen Carbon, Illinois? If you're able oh to my say. goodness. Well, when you put originally, so that was what you, where you asked. And <laughs> okay. I, saw, I had to think about it for a second because I was born in Delaware, but I didn't live there for very long. And then I moved to Pennsylvania for a very short period of time. And then I spent the bulk of my childhood in Glen Carbon, Illinois. And I was there through about seventh grade. And I, I consider those my formative years, right? I just feel the Midwest. <laughs> like, in my blood. And I don't know. I mean, I could tell you what we did back when I was a child. It was all about riding our bikes and playing in the woods and meeting our friends at a certain place at a certain time without a cell phone and, you know, coming home when the streetlights came on. It was a different time, but I miss it. I have good memories from that. It's so funny. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, but you know, oh, okay. I left right before those formative years. But I, I think, you know, as a child, you remember so much. And yeah, like my wife jokes around because she's like, yeah, like your parents didn't really like rain in too much. Like you said, I could ride bikes at all hours of the night. I was riding bikes to 7-Elevens. I mean, there wasn't, really, it was, <laughs> you just yeah. kind of just let kids loose. There was no technology. I mean, we got Nintendo probably when I was nine or 10, you know? Yeah. It was just a real laid back fun life. So love the I know. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. So good. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Cool. So I really wanted to bring you on just because, again, this podcast, it's around just how being just a great human, tapping into great 
personal soft skills, human skills can really move others in some amazing ways and in ways that I think it's not about a lot of times selling or an agenda. It's about just kind of, you know, exhibiting just these great traits as a human being. And I, you know, noticed that from you, just kind of cold reaching out to me on LinkedIn, connecting from a mutual connection, you know, sending me a book, a really thoughtful handwritten note in a book, you know, selling from the heart. It's a great book, but just really, really unique. So first of all, appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. And just thank you for coming on. That was really awesome how we kind of first connected. Of course. Yeah. I'll actually never forget. I think you were doing a live with Keenan. Yes. Uh, Yeah. 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 And I never even watched any of Keenan's lives before, but I don't know something about that day. I'm like, I'm going to check this out. I came across it and then I saw you and and then yeah and then I reached out so it goes to show the power of one thing the power of one conversation that you didn't even have with me that you had with Keenan and then mm-hmm. reaching out on a platform like they like LinkedIn you know and, and it all just came full circle and now I feel like we've definitely formed a greater relationship beyond that personally and professionally and I just think it's the coolest thing ever so I'm really grateful I love it. I love the term full circle because yeah, connections of connections can lead you all the way back to kind of that original place that you never even thought. Yeah. I mean, just you have so much in common with people and you kind of play in the same circle. And I like that concept, you know, kind of connecting through connections to come full circle. Totally. Absolutely. And here we are, you know, full circle at this from that, <laughs> that connection of a connection, connection. Yes. And it's funny how, you know, you mentioned Larry Levine's book, Selling from the Heart, and how yeah. that even all transpired. I mean, I met Larry through our CEO, Scott McGregor, and that's really the only way. I mean, maybe I ultimately would have made my way to Larry. I don't know. Yeah. But I know that that's how that all happened. And then just from me trying to support him, you know, I bought a bunch of books off of him that he was so kind to autograph and send to me so I can use those to send out to other people. And it just doesn't get, I feel like I keep saying things are cool, but it doesn't get much cooler than that. I mean, it's a pretty special thing to form those types of relationships. Totally agree. Totally agree. And such a great message too, selling from the heart. It's, you know, just, it's all about people. It's not a transaction. It's a true just helping, giving, serving mindset. And you know, that comes across in you. And, and it's so funny. Yeah, you're like, I probably would have eventually connected, you know, just because we speak the same language, but someone has to be that spark. Someone has to initiate it and do it. And I definitely think you did. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. All right. So first question, I kind of, you know, I'm breaking this up kind of in two things. I want to find out about you, kind of what makes you the human you are and kind of talk about you and let everybody, let all the listeners know about you. And then second half, and it's a sales podcast for non-sales people, really, because I think, you know, when I use the term, we're all in sales, people get nervous and they say, no, 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 I'm not in sales. (laughs) And I don't think we're all in sales, but I do think we all will be, like I said in the beginning, faced with these situations where we just have to convince change. You're convincing your friend to go somewhere for the weekend, convincing maybe your kids of something, maybe you have an idea at work, whatever it is, everyone will have this situation in their life and they may not even realize it half the time. So I just want to dig into kind of what people do really, really well, because part of what you do is sales, but you're not a, you know, kind of a just job title sales representative whatsoever. So I want to, you know, find out about, you know, to kind of tell us kind of about your role. But so maybe first question is, you know, at just a high level, you know, kind of tell us the story of the human we're talking to, Tabitha Kavanaugh, you know, who you are, 
and you know what you love and what kind of you're all about so everybody can get to know you a little bit better. What do you want people to know about you? Yeah, thank you. I think that probably the things that have been most important and most transformational in my life were a few things. And it all started back around 2014 when I got laid off. Actually, essentially my first real sales job. And it was because the company was, you know, basically going under. So they were laying everybody off. But I'd only been there for about nine months and I happened to be six months pregnant. <laughs> so, you know, getting laid off when I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. You know, I was like, wow, I could really see myself you know, being with this company. And I had just started to tell people that I found out I was pregnant. And so it was crazy. And then, you know, we all got laid off. And we had my husband and I had just purchased our first home, obviously a baby on the way, getting laid off. You know, it was just crazy. It was scary. But it's funny when you're able to look back and see really how imperative those situations were. And it really led me down the path of, you know, staying home with my daughter for a little bit. And then realizing, you know, I really don't want to leave her. So I decided to nanny, actually, I used to babysit back in the day. And I was like, you know what, I am going to nanny so I can bring her to work with me. And I did just that. And I will never, ever regret that because I was able to spend so much more time with her during her younger years. And that was just something that was almost a non-negotiable for me. And then moving past that, though, I feel like that wasn't really where I was supposed to be ultimately. And when I, you know, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 31, and that pushed me out of nannying, I couldn't be around sick kids or all the germs. And I was going through chemo and surgery. So I just couldn't be doing all of that. And that pushed me out of that. And on the other side of chemo, I found recruiting. So it was a really interesting path, definitely not linear in any way, shape or form. But <laughs> Oh, man, along the way, it just taught me to really develop what I like to call a strong ass mindset. And just I think it really turned me into the human that I've wanted to become all along. And now that just helps me get better every single day. So Wow, man, that is real deep. That is inspirational, <laughs> inspirational, for sure. Like, it's weird. You know, it's like, those experiences made you the person you are today. In some ways, like, you know, do you think you were always that person and those things, you know, just kind of brought it to life? Or do you think, you know, those experiences, you know, made you the person you are today, if that makes sense? Absolutely. No, I definitely think those experiences, it was a maturing factor for me. I think I was always this person, right? I always wanted to help people. I always had a passion. I mean, I went to school, when I went to college, I started as a journalism major because I love to write. <laughs> and then I quickly decided, you know, I don't know if that is where I want to go. So I went into an education major. I thought I wanted to teach kids because I loved kids, right? So I, yeah, I was just yeah. trying to figure myself out. And that didn't play out because I just realized that God bless the teachers, but I did not want to be in a classroom for the rest of my life teaching young children. I knew that there was just something different for me. So I switched then to a social work major because again, I wanted to help people. So there was always this underlying like common denominator of wanting to be there for others. And ultimately, I ended up on a comm major. But I think that what I went through, it just accelerated that growth. And honestly, growth that I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened ever in my lifetime. 
but I'd like to think that I would have grown up right at some point, but <laughs> I do think that it really pushed me to just have this stronger mindset and get away from some of the negativity that I was letting overtake my life at any given period. I was letting other things really dictate my mood versus me being in full control of it, which is where I feel like I am now. And I'm not a perfect human at all, but <laughs> no one is. <laughs> <laughs> no one is, right? But we are perfectly I, imperfect, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think that having that mindset now, though, gives me the opportunity to lead by example and also, you know, just rely on that and be excited by my challenges now because I know that something good is on the other side. And so with all the coronavirus stuff going on at this moment, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And of course, my heart goes out to all of the people being affected and we're staying in to try to minimize the risk for everyone. But knowing that there has to be something good that's going to come from this. And unfortunately, there's going to be loss of life and people that are extremely affected by that. But I think ultimately, in the bigger picture, there's going to be people who are you know, creating more of this, that sense of oneness and being there for each other and trying to figure out how to continue networking and keeping a business going, even when you're not necessarily selling. So, and I think mindset plays a huge part in all of that. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, as we have this, I mean, I was talking to someone and I had an event like a week and two days ago. And we were just talking about it and we were like, oh my God, was that a week ago? That feels like three months ago, just because like every day <laughs> feels like you go through so much. I mean, just every hour, a new news story and it's a, this crisis that we're in and it freaks you out. Fear is a real thing. It's a human emotion. We can't get around it. We can't really eliminate it. We just have to like, you know, kind of live with it and try to overcome it. And, you know, all those things you're telling me, I mean, no one should have to go through those things that you did. But in a way that has to make you, I mean, no one's, you know, strong enough to take on anything like this crisis that we're in. But I got to imagine it, it's probably giving you some muscle memory or just it's giving you some hope, maybe that, yeah. like you said, I mean, you're not necessarily done with your battle, right? You're always in it, but you've seen light and you've seen what's possible, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I learned to live through it and make the most mm. of my journey. And I think that's really what's helping me right now through all this to not freak out. And I'm not judging people that are overcome with this major mm. sense of fear. Mm. But because I've gone through what I've gone through now, I just can see more clearly. I think I have more of an inner peace now where I am not letting as many things on the outside affect me because I can't control the coronavirus, right? I mean, overall, I can't control that. What I can do is control certain things about myself, my mindset, what I do in terms of like staying in versus going out and keeping my family as quarantined as possible and all of those things. And I think when you realize that, you know, you can't control the outcome, like in cancer, I didn't know if I was going to die. I didn't know if I was going to see my daughter graduate from kindergarten, you know what I mean? But what I did know was that I could control myself along the way. I could enjoy the journey. I could make the most of it and use everything for good as much as I possibly could. And that way, no matter what happened on the other side, even if, you know, it did result in me, you know, passing from it, I wanted to leave a living legacy that my daughter could look back and say, man, my mom fought hard. She helped other people along the way. She shared her story so other people could have hope 
and information to equip themselves with. And, you know, she had a strong mindset and, and I wanted her to be able to learn from all those things as well. And so I think when people look at this situation right now and really any challenge, it's really about developing that strong mindset. So you get to that place of peace. So no matter what chaos is going on around you, you still feel whole, you know? Yeah. Oh man, we could talk for hours with <laughs> what you just said. I love, 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 love your know, just approach where you're coming from. You know, one thing you can control, I found out about the coronavirus, you can't control the disease. But on Friday at three o'clock on the Today Show, I saw Jimmy Kimmel is, is announcing for everyone to get out at three o'clock and take a cowbell or something or something you can bang on a pot and pan or something and go out <laughs> okay. of your window and everyone's going to bang on pots and pans and say, get out of here. <laughs> we don't oh, want you anymore. Goodness. We don't want you coronavirus. <laughs> get out of here. You know, we got this. Oh, so no I'm, I'm interested to see how many people in New York, the videos that are going to come. I think I'm going to do it by my pool, maybe with a Yeti canister. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh my okay. goodness. I'll go outside. My neighbors are going to stare at me like, what in the Three, heck Yeah. Is what doing? is going on with Tabitha? We need to call someone. <laughs> no, She's I not well. It. All right. So you said something, you know, earlier kind of, you always kind of had this, even before you kind of went through this, like you had this just trait of always, you know, helping others. And so, you know, was that something you learned at a young age, you know, kind of how to treat others and you know, and if so, maybe who did you learn that from? Where did you, do you think you picked up just that either like personality trait or that mindset of helping others? Yeah, you know, it, that's a, a very interesting question because, you know, growing up, my parents didn't really get along. And so mm. I grew up in this family of, you know, my childhood was fine. I was, you know, blessed. I had a house and food and all the things I could need. You know, I was involved in sports. And so I definitely think I saw the kindness from my parents and who they are as people, you know, inside. I think that they have that in them as well. But it's interesting because I take it to a whole new level of, you know, neither of my parents have gone kind of to the, le the level, I guess, I've, I've taken it to. You know, <laughs> wow. people kind of think I'm crazy with, you know, sharing my story so publicly and some yeah. things like that. So, you know, I think that internally it came from, you know, genetics, I guess, in some way, but also, you know, I did see the kindness in them treating us like, and I say us as in my sister and myself and the friends that we did have in the family that we had, there was always love there. But mm -hmm. it was interesting. I think sometimes I also learned what not to do mm -hmm. from seeing mm -hmm. how my parents were with one another. And I think that's so important to note for anybody out there going through something bad, or maybe they went through something bad in their childhood to just look at what not to do, or even management styles in sales or anything. I think there's always something you could be learning and you can either be learning what to do, or you could be learning what not to do and then go the opposite direction from that. So. Oh man, so true. Yeah. You can kind of contrast it and learn. I'm sure. I mean, you just learn from other generations and I'm sure, you know, maybe they're learning from you maybe now. I don't know. And I hope so. I hope yeah. so. I hope that I think it's never too late to change the trajectory of mm -hmm. your family. And I think that what stops that is people just saying, well, this is just how it is. And it's like that in business. They're like, well, this is just how we've always done things. But at some point, there needs to be a, you know, an adaptation, there needs to be a pivot to get to that next level. Or sure, you might stay where you are, and that might be fine. But I mean, do you want to be fine? Or do you want to be great? And I think that's where the difference lies is when somebody is willing to finally 
speak up and do something differently. And that's where you get your change. It's so true. So true. Oh, man. What human skills do you think you try to tap into? And maybe I'll ask, like, what do you think others would say about you that, you know, what type of human skills do you think others would say, hey, Tabitha's really great at those things? I would say, I mean, I think what I would say and what other people would say are probably pretty similar. And maybe after this episode airs, maybe some people will give me give me feedback. And I try to ask too, right? But totally, I I think if I had to define myself and use just some words, I would say connector Mm. and collaborator and empathetic and resilient. You know, grit. I think is one word that really resonated with me throughout my cancer journey as well. So. I think just being able to get through whatever comes my way, whether it's personal or professional, and it's not always easy, but you know, you mm-hmm. just you figure out a way, you keep going, and eventually you get to the other side. Yeah. I think the greatest question to ask in this whole thing is, how are you handling all this stuff? And everyone has like just these stories, all these great stories to tell. And I think it's just, for me, it's boiling down to just putting one foot in front of the other and keep going. I mean, the sun came up and it's incredibly tough and I have no advice. No one has like people put in posts out there like (laughs) 10 top 10 business tips in the coronavirus or, you know, kind of like, you know, continuing to be an entrepreneur in the Corona, like nobody's ever done this before. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like, I mean, it's just continue what made you got you there and have this mindset of like, I will prevail in the end, like acknowledge the danger, acknowledge it's there, you know, really pay attention to it, but know that, you know, you have to move forward in this face of this, just all this craziness. Right. So. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's certainly no guidebook and, you know, I've heard so many stories about, you know, leadership still telling their teams to make X amount of cold calls every day and like pound the phones and like, you know what, fine, make those cold calls, but your message on the other end of that better be a little bit different than normal. And if you're going to make those calls, you should be asking people, like you said, how are you doing through this? How has this affected your business? What adjustments have you made or do you need to make in the future? And how can I be there to help support you? And if I can't do something specifically for you, what other types of resources do you need? And how can I tap into my network to make introductions? Those are the types of conversations that we need to be having. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So it's a kind of a good segue. So, I mean, before all this happened, like, so you're a recruiter, you're, you know, facilitating, you're trying to match really talented people with really awesome career opportunities and trying to, you know, make those connections happen. I love your your whole thing with unlikely connections. And maybe you can explain, let me just ask you that. What does an unlikely connection to you mean versus kind of what the rest of maybe your industry might be doing, which, you know, at the end of the day, you're doing the same things, but I feel like your purpose at something new is so different. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great question. I mean, there's so many great recruiters out there. And just like any profession, there's going to be bad apples. and There's going to be people that are really great at what they're doing. And hey, I'm still trying to figure it out as well. But all I know is that I think your intention and your aim so important from where you're coming from. And when you're reaching out to people, you know, are you reaching out to people because you really do want to help them? Or is it because you know, you just want to help yourself. And I think there's a big difference there. Of course, I use my job to pay bills and put food on the table for my family. And I'm proud of that, that I can do something that I love to also help my family thrive. But, you know, I've heard the phrase, you know, 
about not wanting to make an income unless I'm making an impact. And that rings so true for me. You know, I don't feel good about my job and what I do on a daily basis unless I'm consistently depositing positive things and value into people's lives. So, you know, in terms of facilitating unlikely connections, I say that and I think it's different from a lot of recruiters because I'm not just matching keywords. You know, an ATS could do that. I'm not just looking for certain things. It's not a six second resume review. It's about actually talking to people and having conversations and looking at their resume or their LinkedIn profile and where some people might look at it and just automatically dismiss them. Honestly, I'm trying to figure out how to rule people in, not out. And I think that that actually does my clients a service because I'm looking for people and I'm considering people that they might never consider, but that actually will come into the organization and create that positive change. And now I know it's different based on each client and what they're looking for. Certain organizations might not want a disruptor. They might want someone who comes in and can kind of maintain what they're already doing. But I have the expertise, the market knowledge, and the network to actually go out there and try to make those unlikely connections and give the organization what they actually need and what they want too. But I think it's a hybrid of both. And I think that some recruiters are, and there's nothing wrong with order takers, but I'm not an order taker. It's a collaboration. It's a partnership. And I think that when you look at it like that, everybody wins. Yeah. You're not slinging candidates for cash, <laughs> as yes. I once heard it called. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I've never heard that. But yeah, no, it's not about just throwing a bunch of candidates. I mean, right. anybody can post a job and get a bunch right. of applicants in and just send them right over. I mean, at Something New, we submit about the 3% of the people that we talk to about any given job. We are submitting the best of the best. And anytime we submit somebody, we have a reason. So even if the client says, you know, we don't want a job hopper. Well, if you look at their resume and it seems as though they've been a job hopper, but we're still submitting them, there's a reason for that. And we're going to communicate that to you Mm -hmm. and let you know why. And so that's why, you know, pretty much everyone we submit gets a chance to have an interview with the company because we're so strong on the vetting side and it just, it ends up working out that way. Yeah. I mean, what do you think are the strongest things that you want to communicate what you do to like, maybe, I don't know if there's been situations that you can think of, but where, like you just said, somebody might be like, well, we don't want a job hopper. They think by their resume, because I'm in, I'm in, I've been in the world of HR for seven and a half years and the resume is not going anywhere. I feel like anytime soon, although one day it may, I feel like it's outdated the concept of a paper resume. You're actually right. in this group, build your life resume. So we could get on a yes. tangent of that. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you're, we're so much more than just our professional paper resumes. Like we have like so much more in our lives. Like we're all of our experiences, we're all of our conferences, we're all of our connections, we're all of our posts and videos. And, you know, we're our, just our families, our health, so much more. But I'm curious, so what do you do to like, convince people sometimes and if you have like a situation what do you tend to lean on and what do you kind of want to hone in on when you know someone's saying well I think this and you're saying well here's why I think this is in your best interest because of xyz so what do you do 
What are you, what kind of, what's your approach? Well, I think it's creating that expectation from the beginning. So when you come in and you're, you know, talking about potentially working together and they're vetting us and we're vetting them and really just setting up that clarity from the beginning and letting them know, listen, like this is a partnership. We're here to help you, but we need to set kind of not ground rules, but just really letting them know what they can expect from us. We're not just going to be throwing resumes your way. So you have to do all the vetting. We're going to be doing all of this. But with that being said, understanding what your organization looks like, who you are as a leader, what you're looking for, and really doing that, you know, we have a proprietary process called Accurate Search Accelerated Placement. So our ASAP. And basically what that is, is a thorough process that goes way past just hiring managers, sending us a job description, and actually getting to know, okay, what is the day in and day out look like at your company? And what is your management style? And what gaps can we help fill in? And really learning those little details at at a granular level, I think is what helps us differentiate ourselves. And there are definitely other recruitment agencies out there doing this. And thank goodness for that. But there's a lot of people that they don't take the time to really understand that. And they don't have that trust built with their clients. So to come along and suggest something or challenge their way of thinking might not always work. But I think it does with us because we create true relationships with people that are long lasting and go beyond, you know, business talk. We talk about each other's families and we talk about what's going on outside of work. And all of those things together, I think, really help give us the credibility and with the network that we build and everything like that. I mean, that's why our clients are willing to listen to us and hear a different approach or talk to a different kind of candidate, you know, especially if something's not working. Because at some <laughs> point you have to make a change, right? If, yeah. if you're banging your head against the wall, something's not working, you have to pivot. And sometimes we're the answer to that and we're able to help them kind of look outside of that picture frame that they're inside of. That's a nice, I like that analogy. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes like these situations, it doesn't matter what the interaction is throughout the workplace or even in personal life, you have these assumptions about what the, you know, engagement or the situation or, you know, what it is going to be. You know, we just have these preconceived notions of this person's going to sell me or this person's role is to do this or this person's role is to do that. And when you set expectations right up front and you're leading by just saying, this is what our approach is. We're here to help you genuinely get to know who you are as a person, whether we make a placement or not, at least you know that about us. And then, you know, you know, that'll guide us as opposed to, all right, we're here. Let us know when you have something and we'll, we'll get you, you know, somebody right away. And then it's just like, okay, well, they're just kind of like a, a vendor. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got to see, like, I say this a lot within organizations. I mean, your people are your pulse. And that's where, you know, people over everything comes from as well. And, you know, we need to dial in on that. We need to know what's currently happening within your organization and what the culture looks like. And your culture doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, in fact, any recruiter out there who's trying to sell an organization and is only selling the good points, I think you're doing yourself, the organization, and the candidate a disservice by not letting them know what some of those warts are because you never know where that candidate might be able to fill in that gap if you're just being honest. And so we are, we've got this you know, radical transparency thing going for us where we just are so upfront and honest with people and people are taken aback 
they're like, whoa, I'm not used to this. I'm used to somebody just trying to sell me this perfect picture of what, you know, we think it should be, but it takes a different meaning when you're able to come at it like that. That makes me think of something, you know, I read somewhere once where, you know, some, this guy was in the sales meeting, didn't know he was going to be in it. He had been trying to get in a long time. He finally got in on chance. And the first thing he wasn't prepared to present that day, but you know, they let him in and they said, you know, show us what you got. Why should we choose you over anyone else? And he was just taken aback. He's like, you know, I'm going to show you why you shouldn't choose us, why we're not a fit. And he led with like, here's what I think you're probably thinking about us, all the things and all the things weren't necessarily things that, you know, they thought were a deal breaker. And then he contrasted them with what, you know, why he was a fit. So I'm curious if you've ever said, okay, you know, just like preempted it and just said, hey, this is why you may not want this person or like, you know, kind of like been upfront about what their weaknesses may have been, but then, you know, these strengths outweigh them. And this is why we believe, because you're not going to send, if, if it's so specialized, you're not sending anybody over that's not who you really believe in, right? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. But you know what? If we do that with every single person. We yeah. have a candidate submission form that we fill out and I write up a couple paragraphs about, you know, that person and mm. why I think they would be a good fit. And at mm. the end of every form, there's an area for concerns. And we talk mm. about... Mm-hmm. what exactly what you just said, where this person, maybe we submitted somebody who on paper looks like more of a leader, but the company is looking for more of an individual contributor. And mm-hmm. that could be a concern, right? Because, you know, somebody at a high level might not still be putting in the groundwork. They might not be rolling up their sleeves. They might not be, right. you know, carrying an individual quota or anything like that. So, you know, you have to think like a hiring manager as a recruiter, and it might sound obvious, but by kind of preemptively connecting the dots and being more proactive about that versus waiting for them to come back to you, waiting for them to review the resume, waiting for them to come back and say, well, but now here's my concern. And then having this constant back and forth, it's like, just get ahead of it and just say, listen, these are our perceived challenges or concerns with this person, but they're not enough to outweigh the good. And that's why we're still submitting them. But like every organization has their issues and their challenges, Every person has something in their professional background that, you know, might be considered less than appealing. And I just, yeah, I just think it's better if you can, can get on top of that and let them know, connect the dots first. And then it's smooth sailing from there because they, they feel like you're really being honest with them. You have their best interest in mind. And I think it just creates more credibility and a stronger level of trust. Cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Trust is at the center of any interaction of moving others to change. Tabitha, this has been such an awesome conversation. I kind of want to leave people with a couple things that, you know, they can maybe practice. Like they're not, maybe they're in sales, maybe they're not in sales, you know, kind of what like things would you want people to consider the next time they're, you know, they need to, to influence and create change and and what do you believe in? What my question is for you, kind of the human skills you think are the most important for people to kind of practice, you know, the next time they have to move someone to change. Sure. Well, I think, you know, all change starts with clarity. 
And you don't have to be so clear. You don't have to know exactly what the outcome might look like. Or, you know, there might be certain things along the process that you're just not 100% sure about. But I know that when I'm clear with myself and how, you know, if I'm self-reflecting or whatever it might be, when I have that clarity, I feel like I'm able to move forward with a different sense of urgency, determination, motivation, whatever you might call it. So I would call people to just become very clear, especially job seekers on what your primary motivators are. And really, when you can really pinpoint what it is that you want, and what you feel like your purpose or your why is, then you're able to go into any interview and speak to that. And it's reflected in the types of questions that you ask, and the types of conversation that you're having. And you know, that happened when I interviewed with something new. When I came in and talked to our CEO, you know, I was very, very clear on what I wanted. And I wanted there to be a philanthropic tie-in. I needed there to be a strong social mission. And that box was checked. You know, I needed to know, can I challenge you as a CEO? You know, because that's how I made one of my first placements was by <laughs> challenging my boss at the time on a candidate. And that candidate ended up being the one to make the placement. And so I think just being very clear, knowing what really matters to you, if it's money, if it's a location, if it's growth opportunities, whatever it is, you know, make sure you know that because that's going to lead into how you communicate with that organization and what answers you get to really offer clarity and alignment. Awesome. Awesome. You know, such good advice. I mean, I <laughs> there's so many great takeaways from this, and I hope everyone had their pens out and or <laughs> they had their phones and notes <laughs> taking them. I know that there'll be a ton. I'm I take away from this. You know, I wanted to close with a couple just funny questions, just to kind of like make you kind of who you are. What's something that you know? Just may, I'll say funny, crazy. You know, we learned obviously about your journey and story with cancer, but something funny, crazy that's happened to you that could or would only happen to Tabitha? That's a good question. Oh my goodness, something's crazy that's happened to me. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's not something that's happened to me, but probably more so I put myself in crazy situations because I'm very spontaneous, right? Uh, So like uh, when I, I think that I end up taking more risks and putting myself into odd or weird or fun or just crazy situations that people normally would say, oh my gosh, only Tabitha. And I don't know. One of the examples that's coming to mind is many, many years ago, I randomly went to New York and stood in line for about 18 hours to audition for American Idol. (laughs) No way. (laughs) So I feel like a lot of people have done that, right? A lot of people yeah, have auditioned yeah. for the show. But in yeah. my group and my friends and family, I feel like I'm always the one just doing things a little bit differently than everyone else. So, <laughs> Did you get to sing? Now I, now I have to know. Did you get to sing in front of Paula and no. Randy or anybody? No, no. Back then, <laughs> I was so nervous. And I didn't wear suntan lotion that day. And so oh. by, the time I got, <laughs> by oh. the time I got to my audition in front of the producers, A, I was a lobster, which they commented on. I'll never forget that. They did comment on how red I was. And I was just so nervous. And I let the nerves get the best of me. So yeah, it was like a it one and done nervous. thing. But I always look back at that and think, you know what, though, I just I went for it. And I did it. And that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that is so awesome. I have another friend too. awesome singer, just he was in a band, and he's still a great singer. And same sort of thing. He was really, really young at the time in high school. And yeah, just said he actually got in front of somebody famous, and he just couldn't even sing. 
he couldn't even get anything out of his mouth. He froze Isn't up that, that much. crazy? And then, yeah. but, I mean, just for anybody to do that, I can't imagine like the nerves. It's crazy when you think about it. But all right. So now when I do meet you someday in person, we're going to have to do karaoke <laughs> together because I'm, you know, a karaoke fanatic. I, awesome. I, I'm not I afraid to get on stage and sing any song. <laughs> and I don't even have any go-tos. I'm just down for whatever, you know, so. Nice. Um, I would love that. That sounds right. so fun. <laughs> oh, man. So awesome. Okay. Tabitha, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I'm giving Yay. you claps. Woo! <laughs> Do a little happy dance. All right. And I will see you on LinkedIn. Oh, where can people connect with you and find you and, and just keep this conversation going? Yes, yes. So thank you for asking. The best place is probably LinkedIn right now. If you search hashtag tab the recruiter or hashtag strong ass mindset, those are definitely two ways you can quickly find me and my content on LinkedIn, but also Instagram and barely Twitter, but I'm there. I'm there. But I definitely, I would say LinkedIn is probably your best bet. Or, you know, my phone number is listed on my LinkedIn profile. Pick up the phone and call me. Wow. She has a strong ass mindset to be willing to throw that out there. Um, (laughs) Please connect with Tabitha, these places, guys, and just can't thank you enough. And we'll see you next time on Stories of Selling Human. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you, Alex. (laughs) Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.